Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo Technology, and here we are again recording a long distance podcast all the way from Australia. This is actually the second week in two weeks, the second episode in two weeks that I'm recording for <laughs> with someone in Australia. And tonight I have uh, Ian Neal on the on the Skype here. Ian Neal in Brisbane. Hi Ian. G'day Rick. Hey, th- thanks for coming online. I know it's early for you. And it's late for me, but you know this is a great time for us to chat, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely, it's uh, it's certainly my pleasure. That's very good, Ian. Uh, we got to know each other a couple of weeks, months ago. I, at least I started following your projects a little bit. But um, it would be good for you to introduce yourself to our podcast listeners because uh, I, most people probably don't know who you are yet. Okay. Uh, well, my name is is Ian Neal. I'm an ASP.NET developer. Um, I have a bit of a background in computers and arts. Um, I've got a Bachelor of Arts in, in art history, but uh, I work in IT. Um, I also work for a non-profit art, art um, foundation called the Art Renewal Center. But basically, yeah, I've um, been passionate about art history and been looking for a way to, to uh, data mine it, and hence Neo4j. Well, you know, and then we should also immediately mention one of your coolest projects, I think. You know, this is how I got to know you, the Codex, yes. right? <laughs> That's right, yes. Uh, the Codex is something I've been working on for a, a few years. It's kind of evolved a bit, but um, uh, it's basically a way, it's, it's a project I built out of um, ASP.NET and, and Neo4j using the, using the C-sharp Neo4j client and it's um, a tool that I'm building to to sort of I, ca- I call it an, at- an 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 atlas of history. It's kind of trying to map history out and, and the connections between people and events and places and things like that. Okay, and then tell us a little bit more about that, right? I, I saw there's a lot of uh, information about you know like uh, Italian Renaissance, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, and stuff like that. Uh, you're trying to map out, you know, what they're doing or what they did, right? Absolutely. I, I kind of think of it as being a bit like um, a Facebook of the past or, or in some ways even like a little bit like a, a time machine, like there was a TED talk on, on um, someone doing a project a little bit like that on, on, on Venetian history. But what, what I really wanted to do was, um, was to be able to sort of put myself back in the past and say, well, what, what was happening on a certain day? You know, so if you know, I, I saw a certain painting, and, and you know, what, what's the context around this painting? Who, who were the people? What was what was going on in Florence when this painting was being made? And from that, I, I, I started to you know um, build the data structure and, and, and say, well, what else can we find out about this? I mean, can we can we use the system to abstract you know abstract out some information? Can we can we see connections that we might not see if we were just reading the, you know a book in a, in a linear way? And that's and that's kind of what's attracted me to Neo4j. Tell us a little bit more about that. You know, how, how what's the relationship between the Codex and Neo4j? You know, how do you use it? Oh, it's it's completely dependent on it. Um, I mean, a few years ago, I, I had an idea for breaking down a person's biography or life into a series of of events, and you can think of it as being, you know, like a, a verb phrase. So you know, X does or X meets Y at place Z, for example. And, you know, that's just a data structure. I mean, you have two people, you have a place, and you have a time. And that data structure can be quite powerful for representing a uh, sequence of events and connections. And you, can, you could then use uh, Cypher to sort of query that and say, well, if I know that 
X was at this place at Florence. Who else was there at the same time? Um, if X had these friends, did they? Did these friends know the other person's friends? You know, and and you can sort of once you start down that road, you can sort of um, keep expanding that with the graph, basically. So I started in, in that fashion, but then I I found that it, that was a little bit restrictive and a little bit time consuming to take. Um, written text and, and break it down into that kind of atomic way. So instead I put a different model on top of that. So I put in the event, you know, somebody's diary event for a day in 1478, let's say. And then I could annotate who was there and what was, you know, um, the places and everything, everything that was mentioned. I mean, those are all nodes in Neo4j. And then I put, um, if you like, subject tags on top of that. So it's a little, t- like, like you would tag a photo or, or a Twitter post, a hashtag, you might, tag it with the description of what's happening. So um, if you can sort of forgive the macabre example, a, a, a popular pastime in the Renaissance was was uh, hanging people. Was it? <laughs> the you know, uh, sort of frontier <laughs> justice. So, um, for example, you might you might read somewhere that, um, you know, somebody was taken to the public square and they were, they were hung that day. So I would I started by saying, well, let's put that in there. So I, I would create a tag for hanging and associate that with that, with that event on that day at that place. And then I thought, well, why not bring a taxonomy to that to that tag? So what I mean by that is um, putting that tag in a hierarchy. So I asked the question, well, what what is a hanging? Well, that's a kind a kind of public execution, and that's a kind of you know um, death or something like that. And I thought, well, that could be an interesting scholarly tool for understanding history. So you, you've got the, the the text of the event, you know who who was there, what they were doing. And then you can sort of you can use the graph and step out by sort of degrees of separation. You can say, well, I'll start with a specific subject like hanging, and then I'll go to all kinds of executions, which could be they were very creative back then. So um, you'll bring back lots of events, and then I sort of you know have followed this procedure for every every tag in the system where I can. Um, and probably the the last extension I've done to that is I thought, well, when you put a tag in the system why not record a numerical quality a quantity with that? So if three people were hung, you could put hanging three. And then I thought, well, that gives you chartable information for free. So you have an event, you have all the people there, you have the subject of the activities, and then if you have numbers, you have information that can be visualized as charts. So it sort of occurred to me to bring the, all these things together. It sounds a little bit. It sounds a little bit like like a semantic application, doesn't it? You know, like yes. you know, triples and you know those types of things. Is it, is it related to that in any way? Yes, absolutely. Well, well, many years ago, when I did my sort of postgraduate IT degree, I did a course called Ontology and the Semantic Web, and that's kind of where it all came from. It was about ten years ago, and and I we used um, a language called OWL, I think O W L, and as a modeling language, and I thought it was amazingly um, powerful for expressing, you know, uh, real relationships. And then I was really disappointed to see that there was no practical database out there that could do that kind of thing. Uh, it was just sort of SQL, and 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 I sort of failed to translate the OWL kind of model into into SQL in an efficient way, and I couldn't put it aside. But then a few years ago, I I came across Neo4j, and that seemed a good time to pick it up again. 
Well, that, that, that's a perfect uh, segue for my, my, my sort of like second question is, uh, you know, why Neo4j? You know, why did, why did you use a, a graph database for this particular project? And then, you know, what, what, what's so good about it? You know, it, any, any comments on that? Well, I mean, originally it, it just started as a sort of side project. I, as I said, I started with that sort of data structure that, you know, X meets Y at, at place. And originally, I just wrote it as a kind of MapReduce style thing in JavaScript, just using JSON and you know just querying it, you know, through uh, lambdas and so on. And that you know was always going to be temporary. It's just in memory JavaScript. And I, and I started looking around, thinking, well, is there a database that can do this? And I heard about NoSQL document databases, and I looked into into Mongo and RavenDB. But what I found when I looked into Mongo, I read a um, uh, an interesting post, I, I will try and dig up the link later, is um, it was by somebody who had used Mongo extensively and I think they thought that Mongo would be a relational kind of system for them, that it would, it would um, have someone the power of, you know, the, the uh, relational ability of, of SQL databases and they realised that it didn't really have that and I, I thought, well, that's great, I, I won't go down that road and then somebody in, in the comments recommended Neo4j and so I started looking into Neo4j and it seemed to me the perfect uh, intersection of you know um, the power of a representing things in a document style and a graph style and then having um, you know the relationships as well that make it incredibly fast to query and update. Very cool. So it's it's it's, it's, it's kind of like a, what I've heard many people on the on the podcast say. You know, it's a combination of a good modeling fit and. And on the other hand, you know, there's also just query power, right? Query query possibilities that that, that sort of match this domain really well. Absolutely, and and um, just to quickly round that up, what I was saying before, I, I, I was lucky enough to sit in on a talk that uh, Jim Weber gave uh, in Brisbane that was um, related to the Yao conference in I think in 2013, and um, I really knew about Neo4j at that point, but. Um, Going to the talk really convinced me. Um, you know, uh, Jim gave a great description, used lots of examples from Doctor Who, which is wonderful, and uh, <laughs> always a good thing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and then 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 you know, I, 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 uh, he he gave a, me a copy of the of the book as well um, on graph databases, and it really went from there. It was absolutely you know um, decided I was going to do that in Neo4j. So funny. I mean, two weeks ago, I, sto I spoke to two uh, fellow Australians uh, from, from Melbourne, and uh, they as well got inspired by that tour that Jim did in, uh, in yes. 2013 <laughs> in, in, in Australia. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a productive uh, visit, that one. <laughs> very, very Absolutely. Cool. So uh, you know, the last question I always ask people, uh, Ian, is, uh, you know, where do, what does the future hold? You know, where, where do you think this is going? Where is your project going? And where do you see, you know, graph databases uh, as part of that project uh, going? Any, any perspectives? Sure. Um, I've got a few plans with Codex. I, I sort of want to continue. Um, I want to add uh, the ability to put in more what you might call arbitrary data sets. So rather than just having events, uh, you know, what people were doing, I want to be able to put in things like if somebody gave me a record set of um, births and deaths or um, disease epidemiology figures or something like the spread of a plague or something, I, I think it would be possible to integrate that into into the system. So you could switch between you could switch between data sets. You could um, be looking at somebody's life story, but then also looking at uh, more official statistics as well. So that's kind of 
where I'll be taking it in the next, you know, next few months. Um, one thing I've sort of discovered working on Codex is that one, one thing I didn't expect from Neo4j was that it's such a good tool for modeling that in a way you, you can almost, you know, you know, in, in most domains you have one database for one, for one domain. You know, you have, you know, a shopping cart and you have, you know, um, uh, an art gallery collection or something like that. And you sort of think about them as being two separate databases. But with Neo4j, I've, I've found that you can think about it as being one database. You can have multiple domains that if you define points of uh, where they interface, you know, certain commonalities like, you know, time or space or location, you can easily take the domain you started with and, and add other domains to it. So it becomes kind of what I think it was being like an integral or universal database in a way. Um, I don't know if that would be appropriate for every solution, but um, I think um, it's something that Neo4j offers that I think would be very difficult to do with another database. Very cool, very cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, um, talking about all of this. I really appreciate it. Uh, as you know, I try to keep these podcasts uh, uh, quite short so that they are digestible on everyone's commute, you know what I mean? Uh, so um, we're going to wrap up here, but I really do want to thank you again for coming coming online. Uh, good luck with the Codex and, and all of your other projects, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to meet each other at some point. That would be great. That would be fantastic. And thank you, Rick. Thank you. Bye-bye.